We're coming to the end of Christmas Lights. That's been the title of our series. We're in part four. It just seemed like a week ago I was talking about Thanksgiving, and it seemed like Christmas just kind of sprung up on us. But in week one, we talked about, uh, we, as we opened up this series, we talked about Jesus being the light of the world. And that message got uh, uh, affirmed to us again that Jesus is salvation. He is God's only way uh, back to God, and that is Jesus Christ. We talked about in week two, we talked about the importance of being lights in darkness. In order for uh, the, the darkness to, to flee or to be subdued, then light must engage. So we talked about the importance of us being in places where we can express the love of Christ, being in those dark places, being uh, there, being present, not living in isolation and just kind of waiting for Jesus to come, but really being lights in darkness, using these opportunities that God give us to engage a dying world. Week three, we talked about last week, we talked about being lights of peace. We had realized that in order for man to have real peace, he first must be reconciled to God. And one of the things that God reminded us, reminded us of last week was that uh, we were all at hostile or at enmity with God and, until uh, Jesus came and uh, he created that bridge so that we can all be made right with God, thereby bringing peace. And so we understand that real peace will not happen in this world until the consummation of Christ, until Christ be exalted, Christ be realized, as we all know here sitting today, that he is Lord of Lords and he's King of Kings. And he's coming back. How many of you believe our God is coming back? Amen. I'm, I'm just, I just I love that. I'm just so excited. So today I want to talk about being lights of love as we conclude the series. Being lights of love. You know, when I think about Christmas, uh, Christmas, I know we talk about how that is, you know, we, we get all excited about toys and we get all excited about gifts and, you know, what you got me for Christmas and, you know, shaking the boxes and, you know, we get all excited about that. And I, and I do understand that. But when you really when you really look at Christmas in the purest sense, it really is a love story. It really is. How many of you love love stories? It is the ultimate love story. It is about uh, an amazing God circumventing the natural process through the virgin birth, bringing us this uh, incredible and amazing gift, and we call him Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something today, that Jesus is the miracle and the full expression of God's eternal love. In other words, there's no other way that God could have demonstrated his love for us more than in his son. The fullness of the expression of God's love for us was Jesus. The full expression of it. And so, as, as we said it a moment ago, it, it, it's a love story. It's about God loving man so much. Because how many know that God is sufficient in and of himself? But for whatever reason that still baffles me till this day, God loves us so much that he came down, manifest himself in flesh, just so that he can redeem us back unto himself. 
And I like to say this. And the thing that separates, or one of the primary things that separates Christianity from all these other so-called religions and faith is that, that Christianity is based in love. In other words, Christianity is not some kind of a, a robotic, a mechanical, you know, say these five things and do these six things and all these kind of things. It is about relationship. It, it, is, it is based on love. You take love away from Christianity, Christianity just really looks like every other religion. And, you know, and how many know that, 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 that God gave us emotions and he gave us feelings? And, 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 and one of the wonderful gifts that we have is when we, we learn to worship God and spend time in his presence and we begin to communicate with him and, and he begin to communicate with us, we begin to feel his presence. And there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, come on, clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about. The presence and the, the power of God. It feels right. It feels good because we were, we were made to love him. And so I think sometimes we get, we get it twisted, we get it wrong because much of our witness sometimes is ineffective. When I say a witness, I'm talking about a witness about Christ because it's not packaged in love. Sometimes we present our gospel as a set of rules of, of do's and, and don'ts. You know, okay, don't do this. You can't do that. You got to do this. You can't do that. And how many know Christianity is not about do's and don'ts? Christianity is about love. It's about relationship. One of the things I've discovered, man, if, if people ever get a revelation of God's love, you won't have to preach a bunch of do's and don'ts to them. Because it will, because out of the natural flow of the, of the of love of God, that, that, that's going to be that flow of obedience because obedience comes through relationship. As, 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 as I like how, how Paul said it in the book of Romans, he says, it was, it was his loving kindness that caused us to repent. I, I don't know about you, but boy, when I got a revelation of God's love, when I really got a revelation of his love, because I initially, I didn't understand that, but when I really got a revelation of love, it caused me, I was compelled to come. And, and, and I believe that men today are not coming as they should because we're not packaging the gospel and presenting it with this whole concept of the revelation of God's love. Because when people get the revelation of God's love, and you know, and you know, if we stop just trying to just bang people across the head and tell them all about the bad things they're doing and begin to just 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 to preach Christ and his, his magnificent grace and love. Let me tell you something that will be enough to change folks. How many know it was enough? God's love was enough to change you. Amen. And so it will, it'll, it'll change people. And so in this message today, I want to talk about three points. I get you out of here. I want to talk about God's love and how it was revealed to us. I want to talk about the power of loving one another, point two. And then I want to talk about being lights of love to the outside world. So let's take point number one, God's love revealed. So first point is that God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Come on, say it again. God is love. Love. 
John here, which was the, we like to call him uh, the apostle of love because John was very intimate. He was the one that would always be seen kind of uh, laying on Jesus's chest. You know, he just, he was a very, very, uh, if you will, uh, a sensitive soul, but, but he, he loved Jesus deeply. And so when you read the, 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 the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, you're really reading about a man who was just deeply, deeply in love with God. And so, and so when you look at 1 John, Throughout the whole uh, book of 1 John, all you hear John talking about is love. <laughs> all you talking about how much you're loving God and what it really means. I mean, John is just intoxicated with the love of God. And, and he wants to convey this to you and I. 1 John chapter 7, 8, he says, beloved, let us love one another. So that's the call. He says, let us love one another. Now, I'm going to come back to that here in a moment. He says, let us love one another. Why, John? For love is of God. There it is. So the way that we identify as children of God, watch this, is that we love what? One another. So he calls us. I'm going to talk about that here in a moment, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but, but he says, so beloved, let us love one another. Why, John? For love is of God. And watch this. And everyone who loves is born of God. Mm. And knows God. He who does not know God, does not love, does not know God. <laughs> For God is love. So what John is simply saying is if a person is not loving, if a person is not walking in love, you can't even claim that you love God. Ah, pastor, you know, and people, we, you, we, we say this, so you ever, you ever hear people say this all the time, man, he just loved the Lord. You know, one of the ways that we know that we love the Lord, and I'll talk about this here in a second, is how we treat one another. That's the barometer. Pastor, I don't like that. I know you don't like it. But, you know, God tied us in together like that. It's absolutely amazing. Watch this. He says, now, for God is love. In other words, God's nature is love. In the true sense, watch this, there is no love except that which finds its source in him. Now, let me say that again. There is, in a true sense, there is no love Except that which finds itself, its source in him. And so when you want to really understand what love is, what love is all about, when you want a true and pure, if you want to understand what love is in the purest sense, you must start with God. Why? Because God is love. <laughs> he don't have to try to love. He don't have to. Pray about, you know, well, obviously he's not going to pray, but I, I say that about us because sometimes we, we Christians, we pray about a lot of things, don't we? <laughs> uh, but, but, but he says, God is love. His character. God can be nothing else. He is the essence of love. He is the embodiment of love. God is love. There's no way you can look up the true definition of love and not Think of God because love originated from him. So then if we really want to understand love, we got to. This, this is why we tell people you need God in life. You need the Lord because it, it, because it's what's uh, deep down on the inside of us is this need to feel loved. I know some people say that sometimes they don't care. But a lot of times the people saying they don't care, they're mad, they're angry. Life has been bitter at them. And because things haven't gone the way they wanted, somebody mistreated them. But deep down on the inside of us, we are wired to love. We, we have this thing where we, where, 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 where we want to feel love and, 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 and we want to give it back. But sometimes life comes at us so harshly 
that it, 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 it kind of taints our ability to understand what real love is. And sometimes I, I notice some of us grew up in some environments where maybe your parents didn't love you the way that you should. Uh, or maybe whoever raised you or maybe the environment that you were in and you grew up and you, and, and you let that cloud your judgment. But I want you to understand that, 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 you, that you'll get it right when you come to God. Because he is love. As Christians, we must embrace this identity in Christ. As I said a moment ago, religion, everybody say religion. Religion is mechanical and <laughs> unemotional. It's just mechanics, no feeling, no passion involved. Mm, 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 mm. Boy, I can, I can dwell there for a minute, but I got to keep going. Religion is mechanical. Emo, it's unemotional. Christianity is emotionally attached. It's, it's loving a person. It's not, Christianity is not about a monologue. It's a dialogue with a wonderful and amazing God. God is the very thing that people want and need and they don't even know it at least their eyes are open to the God the good news of the gospel so we're still talking about how God revealed his love God sent his son to demonstrate this fact and this reality it says in first John 4 verses 9 through 11 and this and watch this in this the love of God was manifest love always <laughs> love always manifests itself Love always demonstrate there, you know, oh God, uh, watch this. In this love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent his only begotten son. This is what God did to show his love. His only begotten son, the most incredible, the most amazing, the best gift ever known to the history of the world, Jesus. Because of the sin, because of our separation from God. God loved us. God was motivated out of love. The reason he sent Jesus, watch this church, it was because he loved us. He didn't have to have us. He just loved us. And this, the love of God was manifest toward us. They sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live <laughs> in and through him. And this love, not that we love God, look at this, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment the word propitiation means payment for our sins. Watch this. And beloved, if God so loved us, here it is, we ought also to love one another. So God, God, he proved his love by sending his son, his only begotten son in the world. God's love was, was it, it embodied sacrifice. It, it, it embodied pain. It was rejection it was separation it was lost it was God's love all of that and yet God loved through all of it not that we love God but I love this verse in verse 10 but that he loved us in other words God pursued us can you imagine that God pursuing you out of all the people on the planet, just in case you forget when you come in here, just in case you feel like you forget to raise your hand and sing his prayer, let me, um, he, he thought about you. Of all the people in the world, he pursued you because he loved you that much. God's amazing love, here's the next point. God's amazing love reached us when we were dead in sins. Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. <laughs> he died for the who? 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. <laughs> scarcely if you find a, somebody to die for a righteous man. Yet perhaps even for a good man, someone even would dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, here's the wonderful thing about that. So God didn't wait for you to get it together. He didn't sit back and say, okay, I'm going to kind of wait until they start going to church, to start treating their brothers, their sisters, right? So they start loving more. They start being nice more. Till they stop. No, how many know that God did not wait till we got, because if, if, if he did that, then how many know he'd still be waiting? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I know me. He'd still be waiting. He didn't wait for that. He, he came to us when we were dead. In other words, church, while we were still hating, while we were still, while we were stealing, while we were killing, fornicating, cheating, lying, aborting, manipulating, vengeful, unforgiving. Y'all get the picture? Christ died at that place right there. He came after us and died for us. Knowing full well what he was doing. Knowing how jacked up we are. Knowing that we were a mess. He came at that moment. He revealed his love. He died. He was thinking about it right there. He said, I'm, I'm coming right into all that mess and I'm going to save you. you then he says, and then watch this. And, and as a consequence, how many know nothing can then separate us from the love of God? says in Romans 8.37, I'm looking at Romans 8.38, Paul said this to the Romans, he says, now, I am persuaded, is anybody persuaded, that neither death nor life, nor angels, look at it, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing, nothing shall be able to separate us from, watch this, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, church, you can't do nothing that'll make God stop loving you. No matter what you do, God, how many know that his love is everlasting? God's love is eternal. His love is steadfast. And his love is not about what you can do. How many know that God loves his love is, is greater. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace what? Much more abounds. So nothing can separate us from the love of God. Your present situation, your circumstance, your bad attitude, whatever junk you got in your trunk. How many know if you give that thing to God, how many know God? Love will never leave you. God is not sitting back saying, okay, this is it. You, how many know that you can never go too far? You can always come to Jesus no matter how far you drift. You can get on your knees and say, Lord, have mercy. How many know he'll have mercy? Because why? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God will never stop loving us because of our sins, our stupidity, or our foolishness. No matter what the devil throws our way. No matter how many lies the enemy try to say, God is going to keep on loving you. He keeps on loving. He's faithful. See, people ain't faithful, but God is. God is faithful. People will not. People will love you conditionally, but God will love you unconditionally. God knows all your imperfections, all of our imperfections, and what He still loves us. <laughs> in in the good God, somebody say God is good. He's a good God. He's a good God. So let's talk about the power of loving one another. Now then, 
So this is the second point. So now then that we have been infused with this love, we have come into, we have been encountered with the grace and the love of God. Now we understand to, to, to all the, 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 the pains that Jesus went through to save us. Now that we have this revelation, now there's a call for us to love one another. Now this becomes so important as it relates to our capacity and our ability to be able to change our world. How many know the love starts at home? <laughs> you know, like just like we said, like our kids, you ever, you ever seen our kids when they're just unruly out in public? And, you know, and one of the first thing I always say is that started at home. That didn't just start here in, in the grocery store. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Uh, it, it starts, it started someplace else. It starts at home. He says, watch this. First John 3, 16. For you know this, for we know love, because Jesus, he laid down his life for us. Now, watch this. Now, and we ought also to lay down our lives, watch this, for the brethren. Now, he laid down our lives for us. That's the call. That's, that's what he did. So now he's saying to us, he said, now, as I laid down my life for you, I want you now to go and lay down your life for the people, your brothers and sisters, those who are in me, those who are in Christ. I want you to lay down your life for them. Starts at home. He's talking, about, he's talking to Christians about Christians here. That's what this verse is about. Whoever has his world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts out his heart of compassion from him, watch this, church. How does the love of God abide in him? He said, he said that's really, it's impossible. He said, how can it happen? It can't happen. He said, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but here it is, in deed and in truth. See, how many know Jesus demonstrated his love. Love demonstrates. He says, by this, we got to lay down our lives for one another. This is the call. You see, one, so for, example, for example, we had an awesome opportunity uh, last week to, to give to one of our families here in the church. And, and I think everybody was really, really excited about that. And, uh, but, but, uh, but how many know, and, and I'm, 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 I'm going to share this, but Sister Paula, you know, it, I just, it did my heart so good last week because, you know, I'm sure that Paul have probably heard somebody in the church, whether here or outside, say, hey, sister, I love you. Okay, yeah, I get that. But, you know, when, 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 love, when, when people actually start coming out of their pockets and they started giving and helping to meet a need, how many know that now when you say I love you, it means something? You follow what I'm saying? Am I right about a sister? So it's not just saying, it's not just about talk, it's about doing. See, the question is, if we say we love one another, and I know sometimes we don't like to, we don't like to be inconvenienced, and we don't like to do this, and, you know, and sometimes you know, love is sacrificial, love, it, it always demands some level of sight, and sometimes we don't want to be bothered, and I, I, I get all that. But you know what? But when you truly love, you do what you got to do. Love is always action. That's why John says, don't just talk about it. Because in essence, he's saying, you're talking about it means nothing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You, us just saying, walk. I don't want to be a part of a church that all we do is walk around and talk about, brother, I love you. I want to be a part of a church that does the work and then say, I love you. Because how many know now that love have much more weight behind it? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There's weight behind it. Why? Because there was a demonstration. 
John here is saying, he's, he's telling us, he's giving us some insight here. He said, okay, now if you really want to love, then, then, then what you got to do is you got to lay down your life. You cannot say, <laughs> you cannot say that I love you and, and, and you're not doing anything to back it up. That's what John essentially is saying here. All right. This is, that's what he's trying to communicate to all of us. Let's, let's not be, let's not be talkers, but be doers. Let's be doers. Let's validate how we feel by what we do. It makes sense, church. He says here that we will be known. Another point, we will be known by our love. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he says a new commandment. Here's it. Uh, oh, boy. A new commandment that I give to you that you love one another. How? How, Jesus? How do I do that? Well, glad you asked. As I have loved you. Oh, Jesus, come on. I mean, you know that's a tall order, Jesus. I mean, you can't expect me to, to love other people like you love me because the, the stuff you did for me and what you continue to do for me is outrageous. It's out of this world. Yeah, I know that. But that's the standard. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now watch this. So Jesus says a new commandment. Everybody say commandment. commandment. In other words, church, this is not an ask. Jesus is not saying, well, go pray about loving your brother and sister. You ever hear about it? Man, I need to pray about that. No, you don't need to pray about loving because the Bible already tells you to do it. You don't need to pray about what the Bible says already to do. All that you need to do is do what the Bible says. And you don't need to, well, you don't have to pray about helping somebody when you have it within your power to help them. You, come on, church. We need to stop being super duper religious and hiding behind this, 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 this door when we don't really want to respond in a way that we know God wants us to respond. See, he says, watch this. He's a commandment. He's not asking. Everybody know what a commandment is? Do it. Look at the neighbor and say, do it. No, no, and I'll say, look at the neighbor and say, God say, do it. <laughs> All right, now, now, now you can say it with confidence. A new commandment is I give you that you love one another as I love you. That's the standard. Jesus saying, so don't love people based upon how people treat you. Well, sister so and so didn't do this for me. Brother so and so didn't do this for me. So you know what? I'm not going to do that for them. Oh, not, they didn't treat me right. So you know what? I'm not going to treat them right. They were rude to me. Then I'm going to be rude right back. Uh, Y'all know that's not biblical, right? He says, as I have loved you. Boy, did Jesus like he raised the bar, didn't he? He says, so let me be your example. How many know? The way Jesus loved, if Jesus would have treated people the way he treated them, he would have came down off that cross and whipped some butt. Come on. I mean, if it was me, I'm just saying, if it was me, y'all would think, say, say, praise God won't you, Pastor. Come on, say that. Say, praise God won't. If it was me, y'all did all that to me, I'd be the whole, you said, what? Oh, angels, come on. Bam. It's all over. Oh. He said, as I loved you, he was patient. He took the hits and he kept on loving. He took the mistreatment. He kept on loving. They talked about him. He kept on loving. They ridiculed him. They misrepresented him. They lied on him. He kept on loving. He said, you love them as I have loved you. 
Some of you right now, you're already praying in your spirit. You're saying, Lord Jesus. That's good, because you need him to do this kind of love. Trust me, we all do. He says, now watch this. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. How will we know that we're his disciples? He says, but, but look at this, but for the love we have for one another. Watch this. Men are not going to know we're Jesus' disciples by how much Bible knowledge we have. Because a lot of you got Bible knowledge. Not gonna, men are not going to know we're his disciples by how much we come to church. Men are not going to know that we're his disciples by how much money we give or, you know, how much status we got, how well we are known, how smart we are, how intellectual we are. Men, he says, men are not going to know we're Jesus' disciple by all that. He said, men are going to first know that you're my disciple, watch this, by how you love each other. I always marvel at sometimes people because people will often say, because, you know, I said earlier that uh, the love that our love for God is demonstrated. The authenticity of our love for God is demonstrated by how we love each other. So directly. So here's how we got to live our Christian faith. So I cannot say that's why Jesus says, if you have an ought with your brother, then first leave your gift at the altar. Right. He said, go be reconciled to your brother. Then you come back and talk to me. Why? Because our relationship with one another affects our prayer life. It affects our relationship with God. But pastor, I, I don't believe that. Well, 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. Y'all know I like to preach the Bible, so I just read the verse. Because some of y'all look like y'all didn't believe it. So here it is. If someone says, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Boy, that's some strong language. He said, if you say, if someone says, I love God, if you hear somebody say, man, I love the Lord, the Lord, I just love the Lord, but I can't stand sister and brother so-and-so. They get on me. I can't, I hate that. I don't want it. I don't even want to get, get away from, I don't want to, I, I, I don't like them. Get away from me. Hate them. Don't want to be around them. He says, if you claim, if you have that attitude and you claim you love God, the Bible says you're a total liar. You're a fraud. Now watch. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? He said, so this, and this commandment we have from him. Everybody, you know who him is, right? Jesus. From him, that he who loved God must, everybody say must. Must. It, it's not an option. Must love his brother also. I tell you, spiritual maturity is not in how prophetic you are, how much Bible knowledge you got. Real spiritual maturity starts with knowing how to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's basic Christianity. And there's a lot of folks who got great gifts, but they sour in this department. And God says, you don't love me because they fail to they fail to, to, to process, to understand that my love of God is reflected, is reflected in my love for my brothers and sisters. That's how I demonstrate my love for God. Some of you might be saying, well, God, why do you do that? That's so unfair. You know how I don't like people. And you ever hear people say that? I don't like people. Seriously? You don't like people. That's a worldly way of saying I don't, I don't, I just don't want to be bothered. But let me, let me say this to you. 
If you're a Christian, a so-called Christian, you have been called to love people, which is stronger than like. Am I right about it? Oh, oh, y'all better talk back to me. Talk back. Talk back. I mean, y'all want to hear, you want the Bible or you want something else? I give you something else. I'm just, this is what it says. Love is stronger than like. So love ought to overcome your dislike of somebody. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I, I, I just try to fathom. I never heard Jesus say, I love you, but I don't like you. Has anybody ever heard Jesus say that? Is it recorded anywhere in scripture? Doesn't even sound biblical. Yet Christians do it all the time. I'm just saying we got to be smarter than that church. We got to, we got to, we have to give care to make sure that we are giving attention to loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it is how we display God's love. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, above everything. Look at this. Look, watch, look at me. He says, above everything. The most important thing. He's above everything. Here it is. He says, have fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sin. Now, this verse, this is not the idea of, uh, that we're trying to cover up sin like if somebody sin, we want to cover it up. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that in spite of our sins and our, our, and our inconsistencies and our weaknesses, love have the power to overcome it, that we can love right through it. We can love each other to freedom. We can love each other to obedience. We can love each other toward the, uh, 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 to deliverance. Love overcomes a multitude of sin. So I want to conclude with this thought. I'm getting ready. I'm closing right now. So John 3.16, I had you to read that in the beginning. I had you to read John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Understand something. God loves the world. He came after the world. And how many know that Jesus is still coming after the world right now? And who is he coming after the world through? You and me. We're it. We're the lights of love. Now we have to reflect that love, right? So, so he, he, love was his motivation. And this is why Jesus says in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read all this because I, I got to finish. But Jesus said this. Because we talk about now being lights of love. And this is the last point. Those three, three points I told you about, this is the last point. Being lights of love. Here's a concluding thought. Jesus says, but I say to you in verse 44, Matthew chapter 5, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Now, why did Jesus have to tell you that? Why did Jesus have to tell us that? It's unnatural. That's right, Abigail. It's unnatural. Because our natural disposition is not to love our enemies. What is our natural disposition toward our enemies? Cut them off. Strike them. Get rid of them. Hate them. Jesus, love your enemies. Bless them. Now, boy, he's taking it to a whole nother level. He's like, he's again, raising his bar. He says, I want you to love them. I want you to bless them. I, I, I want you to do good to the ones who hate you and pray for those that use you and persecute you. Boy, could Jesus made it any more plain? Now, why did he say all that? Why did he say that? He said, I want you to love them. I want you to do all these good things. Why? Because it's our love it's our love that will draw people into the kingdom of God. 
See, what makes you stand out? Jesus says, if you just love those who love you, he said, you don't get no kudos for that. It's easy to love people to love me. Am I right? I mean, if people treat you right, and it's good. You know, if you're driving on the road and everybody playing nice music and they look at you and they smile at you, they say, hi, bless you. You know, it's easy for you to look right there at them and say, hi, bless you too, right? It's so easy. But boy, let them cut you off. Let them, you follow what I'm saying. It's harder to love people that do you wrong. And that's what Jesus says. That's where Christianity is. that's, That's the core of Christianity. That's where it makes the difference. That's where the rubber hits the road. He said, that's where you're different. And that's what we don't seize upon as we should. He said, love them, be good to them, pray for them who persecute you. Why? Because in so doing, we impact others in a significant way for Christ. Because how many know your enemies will be messed up when they see that you're loving them? They don't understand. That's not, their lang- that's not the language of the, the language of the world is you're an enemy. I treat you a certain way. The language of God. And I always marvel, and, and I'm closing, but I always marvel sometimes. I look at some of these folks on TV, some of these talk show hosts, and I won't say who the names are. And uh, somebody had forgiven. Uh, there's some folks that had forgiven uh, that man that did that shooting down in South Carolina. Uh, you know, there was a young man, I forget the guy's name, who went inside that church in the Bible says Wednesday night Bible study, he shot and killed all these people. I think it happened about a year ago. And, uh, and then so, so a lot of the people there said that they forgave the man and wanted to go sit down, sit down and even talk to him and pray with him and wanted to go visit. I think a couple, a couple of them even went to visit the guy. And, and I remember the, 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 the commentators and the, the news folks, and they was like, what's wrong with you? That, that's so, that doesn't make sense. I can't forgive. You can't forgive somebody to do something like that to you. You can't love somebody to do that. And it was, they would say stuff like, I forgive them and I love them. And, and, and. And, 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 and it confused them. Why? Because it's unnatural. But I want you to understand, that's where Christianity makes a difference. That's what makes us distinct. That's how we become lights of love. That we love when it's hard. We love when nobody else want to do it. We do it. Why? Because we have been impacted with the love of God. And so what do we want to do? We, we have a responsibility to share it with other people. So you know what? I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to pray for all the people that did me wrong. I'm not going to do them wrong. I'm going to be. And, and, and it starts with us, right? That's why any church that sours on relationship, when you're bike biting with them, one another, how many know that we have no chance of reaching anybody out there? Y'all, y'all getting this? So we got to work at this, right? We got to work at this to make sure that we do it right. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you, Father.